Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Today, uh, we're going to talk about how we approach love, how we approach God's love. I think you're going to really enjoy today. Take some notes. I'm going to teach. I'm going to preach. I think you're going to get a lot out of today. And what a great subject to talk about uh, as we go into a season of rest, as we we relax a little bit, as we lean into the love of God. Uh, In fact, the, the crazier that life gets out there, the more I find myself needing to lean into the love of God. It kind of keeps me sane in an insane world. And so we're going to chat a little bit about that as well. So would you join me real quick? Let's pray. And uh, let's ask God to open up our head and heart this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, thanks, thanks for a chill day. Thanks for a day of rest. Uh, God, thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice. They want to leave transformed. They don't want to leave the same way they came in. And so, Father, we ask that you would open up your word to us this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would open up every heart and every mind, and that we would be transformed by your grace. It's in your amazing name we pray. Amen and amen. Hope you all had a good week. My kids are home for summer break. And so it was an amazing, chaotic, wild week for me that felt more like a month. I think I got up about five or six times last night. Uh, My twins have been sick for a whole week, and they're just a fountain, so I'm going to stay away from you. I'll love you from a distance today. Uh, And it was crazy. Renovated my garage, and I am living off coffee. So if I say five coherent things today, could you just clap for me and love me and just act like I preach the best message ever, okay? Like that would, that would be great. How many of you have kids out there? You know, they know a few, okay, good. We have a few, a few hands go up. The rest of you are in for a treat. It's amazing. It's, it's absolutely the greatest thing you ever do in your life, and it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Uh, I want to look uh, this morning, if we can. Uh, let's, let's go to Romans chapter 8. I want to kick things off by reading from Romans chapter 8 this morning. And uh, we are going to lean into a few things. I have a few things this morning in my message that I call the pillars of love and then the parameters of love. Things I wish I knew when I started my first decade of Christianity. I've learned a few things over the years uh, through some bumps and bruises. Uh, So I want to talk about some of the pillars of of today when we talk about the love of God and and then go into some parameters. But I want to start in Romans chapter 8. You can't get away from Romans chapter 8 as we talk about the love of God. This is Paul writing. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted, hungry, destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And he's addressing, he's basically saying like when you go through difficult times, it feels like God doesn't love you. So he's addressing that emotion right there. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death, life, angels, demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. Pillar number one this morning, this is what all Christians begin their Christian life with, this revelation, God loves you. In fact, the Apostle John said it like this in, in, his, in, in 1 John, I believe. He said, this is the amazing thing. It's not that we love God. It's that God loves us. In fact, the Apostle John would often pin his papers with the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wasn't saying, he, he, I'm God's favorite. He learned to identify his entire life and Christian experience as a man that God loves. What a powerful thought, right? Instead of saying, hey, I love God, his entire internal like destiny was wired around the revelation, God loves me. And that's an amazing thought. And for some of you that you might even struggle with that, right? Like God is very lovable because he's good and perfect and, and holy, right? But, but to think the revelation that God loves you with all of your hurt, habits and hangups and good days and bad days and, you know, the things that people know and the things that no one knows, God still loves you. This morning, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. You cannot begin your Christian experience without encountering the revelation God loves you me. When I, when I was 17 years old, when I accepted Christ as my Savior, I prayed a very bold prayer at 17. God, if you're real and you love me, I need to know. Because I wasn't quite sure that God was real. And if God was real, I wasn't even quite sure, did he love me? And several weeks later, God answered that prayer for me, and I gave my life to Christ. You cannot come to Christ without the revelation, God loves me. In fact, I think as we go on and journey in life, it's good to really think about that and really sink that in your heart deep. You are deeply loved. What I find a lot of believers doing wrong is they start living for love instead of from love. When you and I are convinced in the revelation that God loves me all of my life, I start doing it from love instead of for love changes your career, changes your relationships, it changes the way you talk and the way you think. This incredible revelation, God loves me, and I'm doing life from love instead of for love. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3 to close this little portion out. Paul, again, he's saying, he goes, you, you may have the power to understand. He's praying for the Ephesian church this. He says, as all of God's people should, how wide, long, high, deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He's saying, I'm praying for you that you would experience the love of God. You know, I, I know about President Biden, but I do not know him personally, right? If I, if I try to, to show up, the, the Secret Service is going to come for me, right? Like, like there's no relationship. I can't call him. I can't email him. We have no connection. A lot of people know about God like I know about the president, but they don't know God relationally. Paul's prayer is, I want you to not to know about God. I want you to know God. I want you not to know about his love, church. I want you to know his love in an experiential and relational way. I find myself praying for the modern church the same way. God, fill us with your love. I want to do life from love. You know, the more I jump on Twitter and Instagram or <laughs> watch the news, the more convinced I am. God, we are a people in need of your love. We need your love. 
How do you deal with, with all the hate and the hurt the love of God. In fact, I know of no greater way than the love of God. It is like a tidal wave that washes over a culture and a people. And I'm like, God, I don't know how to solve any problem without your love. I want to do life from love and not for love. Amen. Could I encourage you to begin to pray this week, God, make your love real to me. I want to experience this love that Paul is talking about. Another pillar this morning for us, God pours out his love in your heart. And I want us to, we probably haven't thought about that for a while. You may not have thought about that anytime recent, but I want to help us see this this morning. Romans 5, 5 says, hope doesn't put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who God has given us. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you become, the Bible says, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in to your heart. He takes the, the old person, he puts it to death, and he brings about a new spiritual person, a, a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is why those of you that are followers of Christ, once you get saved, you can't quite sin the way you did before. Right? Like, like I remember getting saved and then like a few weeks later, you know, I'm back at the club and I'm like, why did that not feel the way that it did before? Like there's something on the inside that is, that's called salvation. The Holy Spirit moved in. Right? I, I used to be able to cuss somebody out and now that I'm saved, I start talking. I'm like, I don't feel good anymore. What is that? that? That's the Holy Spirit moving in. That's salvation. That's, that's a new heart and a new mind. That's a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. So it's like there's this radical experience of salvation where you're like, I don't feel the way I used to feel about certain things. And that's the Holy, the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's love now gets poured out into your heart. And this, this is powerful. Because this changes the way you look at other people. This changes the way you look at the world. This changes the way you see situations. Now, again, you're doing life from love and not for love. You're doing your relationships from love and not for love. You're doing career from love and not for love. God's love gets poured out into your heart. Now, do you still have a flesh? Heck yeah, you have a flesh. You get cut off on 595, you're still going to feel a certain way about it, right? Like you're, you're still going to have a flesh, but there's something else at work in your life. It is the love of God. And the more you lean into that love, the greater that reality gets. What, what do I really th- feel like the modern church needs more than anything else? Man, we need a revival of the love of God. We really do. Like we need a revival of the love. I think the great next wave of God's move will be how we love each other well. I really do. You know, if you look around really quick this morning, you, you see everybody represented here, and I love that. In fact, you just give it up for ourselves. Like, we are doing today what the world says we cannot do. We are constantly doing what the world says cannot be done, and we do it by the power of the love of God. How, how do you care about your neighbor? How do you care about somebody that you don't have the same experiences with? The love of God. The moment the Holy Spirit moves in, he pours his divine love in your heart and you begin to change not from the outside in but from the inside out i start caring about people and things that i never cared about before because of the love of god he gives me his love he doesn't want me to do it in my own power he wants me to do it with his power could i encourage some of you you're having a hard time loving on somebody ask for the love of god to fill your heart you're looking at the news and you're having a hard time loving the greater humanity. Ask for the love of God. 
You're going through a painful situation. Ask for the love. When was the last time you've said, Holy Spirit, fill me with the love of God? Your word says you could do it. Fill me with the love of God. I'm having a hard time loving myself, maybe my parents, maybe my mom. Help me and start with me. Fill me with the love of God. I tell you, that prayer will not disappoint you. You start praying that prayer, God will fill you with his love again. You'll start caring about things that you long stopped caring about because of his love. Number three, pillar number three, when we talk about the love of God, I cannot get away from this. God calls you now to love others. He calls you now to love others. So simple. How did we ever get away from this as a church? 1 Peter 4.8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't say pettiness covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't say sharp words covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't say your flesh will cover the mistakes of others. It says love. Love each other deeply. Romans 12, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. What a, what a thought. When we get together, we are to love each other. Romans 13, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Isn't it interesting? You know, I, I've known Kevin now for about a year. I have no debt to Kevin other than to love him the way that God calls me to. Isn't that interesting? Right? Like Victor, you know, at Kelsey up there. You know, it's like I have no debt other than to love them with the love of God. You know, I owe my mortgage. Oh, that kind of stinks. You know, I wish I could get out of that. But I owe on my house. But to other people, I owe them the debt of love and the debt of honor and the debt of respect. And you start walking in this like we're, you, st- you start seeing that revival take place. Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. This is 1 John 3. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Look at that. The love of God is the signifying factor before salvation and after salvation. You start loving other people, God's like, yo, I'm inside of that person. Because the way they love other people. There is a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of hurt out there. How do you combat that? The love of God. The love of God. How do I keep hate from overwhelming my own heart? The love of God. If anyone hates a brother or sister, they are a murderer, and no murderer has eternal life residing in them. Wow, think about that. He says, if you don't love, you remain in death. Wow. The love of God is an explosion in my heart where I begin to care about other people. A few parameters for us this morning. Y'all tracking with me a little bit? Simple but so needed this morning. It's a good message for us as we rest in June. Uh, A couple parameters I wish I knew in my first decade of of Christian life and experience. Parameter number one, unconditional love does not mean unconditional trust. If you're in your 20s, write that down. Just please write that down. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional trust. I, I, I have the debt to love a person, some people you need to love from a distance, you know, and that might sound a little weird at first, but even Jesus had his three, his 12, his 70, and then the multitudes. Not everybody was in his circle. He loved the Pharisees, but he always kind of kept them a bit at a distance. There are certain things and certain people you need to love them and you need to forgive them because that's what you are called to do. You are called to love and you are called to forgive. 
but they don't have to necessarily be in relationship with you. Not everything will get reciprocated back to you. You will love with God's love on a lot of people, and sometimes it will get reciprocated, make them your friends, right? Don't just marry fine, marry friendly. Come on, somebody, right? Like, okay, like, you got to live with that person. So when something is reciprocated, you bring it closer. When it's not, you can hold it there. You still owe them the debt of love, but love does not mean trust. My mom, I, I love this. My, my, you know, my, for those that know me, my name is Matt. And she said, son, your name is Matt, but it's not doormat. And what she meant was, you know, yeah, you, you, we got to love people. You're called to love people, but you don't have to let people walk on you. You don't have to let people use you. Learn healthy boundaries. I think one of the things that I see in a lot of very loving, very sincere Christians is they're very loving, they're very sincere, they've got big hearts, they're loving with a lot of love of God, but they lack wisdom and they lack boundaries. And so they're getting taken advantage of and they're getting hurt because they're overextending themselves because it's not being reciprocated. See, in a relationship, whether it's a friendship, a relationship, or a working relationship, all relationships are like bank accounts. And bank accounts work if you put more deposits in than withdrawals. But come on, you got somebody depositing and somebody else withdrawing all the time. That person's got to keep making more and more deposits until what happens, they start becoming bankrupt. You've heard me say this before. Maybe some of this, this is new for some of you. Never forget the sailors experienced a storm because they let Jonah on their boat. Be careful who you let into your life. Love everybody. Don't let everybody into relationship. Don't let everybody into your life. Use wisdom. See if it's reciprocated. Then let trust build. Then let the circle come in. So many believers. I, I, I just like, if I could pass through everybody, I, it would be this. Stop letting your emotions run ahead of the will of God. You find somebody, they're cute, and three days later, your emotions ran to marriage. You don't know them. Other than they look good on Instagram, that's all you know about them, right? Stop telling all your secrets to friends you really don't know yet. You know, this, this is one of the, this is, so my pastoring is kicking in a little bit because it's like I want people to live happy, whole, joyous lives. You cannot get there without wisdom. In fact, the Bible says, above all else, get wisdom. Wisdom screams to be hurt. God hates it when we keep doing dumb things over and over and over again. Love everybody. Love them unconditionally, but use wisdom. In my first decade of Christianity, I had very little wisdom, and I got hurt a lot. It was my own fault. Isn't that frustrating? You ever stub your own toe, and you're like, there's no one to blame but me? You ever hit your head, and you're like, there's no one to blame but me? That's that's what this is, too. Use, use wisdoms. Uh, you marry patterns, not potential. Your friendships should be built off of patterns, not potential. Amen. Nobody liked that. Why not? That was really good. <laughs> Love is given. Trust is earned over time. All human relationships in your life, whether it's business, career, friendship, they all work. They all work like this. Uh, again, when you're hungry for love, you're willing to violate wisdom for love. When you live from love, you're willing to implement God's wisdom as well. It'll change your entire life, transform everything. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional acceptance. That's another parameter I have for us this morning. There is a clear distinction in the Bible between you and what you do. 
This is why God can love you and sometimes be very mad and even hate some of the things that people do. There is a clear distinction between you, child of God, or human being creating God's image and likeness, which everybody is made in his image and likeness and deserving of love and honor and respect. There is a difference between your identity and your actions, and the Bible cuts it right there. Therefore, unconditional love is not unconditional acceptance. God can accept you and not accept all of your beliefs and your behaviors. Amen. We as a modern church, I feel like we're struggling through this a little bit as well. And you have to really make that distinction. I love that person and I will love them unconditionally because God does. But I don't accept all their beliefs and their behaviors. Just like God does not accept all of your beliefs and all of your behaviors, but he accepts you. There is a distinction. How many of you know I love my five-year-old with all my heart, but I can't accept everything he does? Right? I can't let him have gummies for breakfast all the time, right? He needs oatmeal. He's like, so it's like, hey, I love you, but I can't accept everything you do. And this is how our relationship with God is. You want to love people unconditionally, but you don't unconditionally agree with them. That's just the way it is. Because as believers, we've, we've ultimately given over our, our entire navigating system to Christ. That's what, that's what being a Christian is, right? You're, you're surrendering your life, and you're surrendering your mind, you're surrendering your heart to Christ, and you're saying, I will follow you. By default of that very decision right there, you will, as you say, I will agree with you, Jesus, I will pick up your personality and your priorities, by default, that's going to cause us to disagree with other people at different times throughout history. There are some things we're going to agree with culture on, and there's some things we're going to disagree with culture on. That's just the job of a Christian. When you hand it all over to Christ, you're going to say, I'm going to agree with you. At Sometimes I'll agree. Other times I'm going to disagree. i got to navigate the waters. But if I'm going to give a word to you, at some point I'm going to disagree with somebody about something. I can still love them. I can still be friendly. I can disagree without being disagreeable. But that's where i got to leave it at that. There's a lot of things in the Christian life I've had to leave it at that. I love them. I accept them but I'm going to follow, follow Christ. Amen. And so unconditional love is not always unconditional acceptance. There is a tension there. Here's, here's, I've seen two ditches here, and I'm going to move on to my final point. Christians that really zero in on truth, they, they really dig into truth, and what typically happens is they dig into the holiness side of God, but they get unloving, and so they get mean, right? They're like, oh, God says this, and you're going to hell, and, blah, and it's like, that does nobody any good. It does nobody any good to get mean. This is why the Bible says speak the truth in love. It puts it in context, right? So love and truth, that's why I did it together. They have to be forever married. You can't leave one without the other. You've got to take them both. I've got to accept the holiness of God, and I've got to accept the love and mercy of God. I've got to take them both, right? And so, so it's like, hey, if I'm going to lean in to truth, that's great, but let's not forget God deeply loves people. And then I've seen other Christians lean into love where they're like, yo, let's love everybody. And then they, they start loving everybody, and then they just accept everything that everybody does, regardless of what Jesus says. And that's where you can't, go that far, you can't go that direction either. So in one sense, it's like, yo, I only care about what Jesus says. I don't care about people. Or, hey, I only care about people. I don't care what Jesus says. I have to live in the tension of the truth and the love of God. That is my lane. Amen? Y'all kind of pick it up what I'm throwing down today, even though it's kind of chill. It's like we, we need this tension in our life. When was the last time you came to God and said, well, God, what do you say about this issue? You know, I don't, I don't want your thought. I want, I want you to do a little research. What does God say about any issue? Well, what does he say? Go find out, you know? And then, and then when was the last time you've wrestled through with, 
Well, what do I believe in? What did Jesus say? Like, and, and, and again, as a pastor, if I could tell every believer to do something, it's like, listen, we've all, I said this last week, we've all had to do something. We've all had to lay something that we believed at the altar of Christ. There are certain things I wish Jesus didn't say, but he did say it. I got to wrestle with that. Amen. So have you wrestled with what he actually said? Where does your life line up to what he said to do? Amen. All right, last point. We're going to get out of here, enjoy some more coffee, and hang out and have some fun. Um, unconditional love, guys, it, it's the game. This is it. This is the calling. This is what life is ultimately about. I am on the earth to learn how to love God and love others. Right? This is the greatest commandment. This is it. So is it frustrating? Is it hard? Is there attention to it? Is it, is it arduous at times? Yes, but it is the very game I am called to do. When people mistreat me, talk about me, whatever, and I, and I, I don't want to embrace the, the game of love, but it is the very thing I'm called to do. When God wanted to change the world, he initiated this system of love. He loves us. He puts his love in us, and he says, now go love on this crazy thing called the world, and through that, I'm going to change everybody. This is the game. I'm going to close with this. John 17, verses 20 through 24. Jesus is praying. He says, Father, I pray that they might be one, that they might be unified. Then everybody will know that you love me and I love them. What's he saying? As we love each other, as we create this wild unity called church through the love of God, God's like, I'm going to show the world that I'm real based off of love. And when you think about it, he didn't say, hey, it's the way I'm going to prosper them. It's the way I'm going to bless them, which God does bless and God does prosper. He didn't say it's going to be the healings or the miracles. He didn't say it's going to be the revelations or the prophecies. He said it's the way that my people love each other is going to convince everybody else that this is real. When I was younger, I thought it was silly. I thought it was Sunday school. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, my God, why is it so hard for us to love each other? This is the game. This is true. As we love each other, miracles take place and the world is convinced there is something to this man Jesus because I don't see anybody else doing love like this. Amen? This is the game that we are called to. So love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking, right? As you practice that, you're living in the love of God and you are a witness of who Jesus is. Amen? Let me pray for you all. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for this kind of simple, humble, chill teaching today. And uh, God, it is, it is the game that we are called to. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would fill everybody this morning with your love. Hey, we all have hurt habits, hangups. I, th- I think the longer we're all on social media, the more the temptation to hate just is there. And God, I pray that you would overwhelm the hurt, maybe the anger, frustration, and that you would just fill everybody this morning with your Holy Spirit. And you'd fill them with love. God, forgive us for the times that we've chosen to be unloving. God, we want to change from that. Lord, forgive us for the times we've left your truth. We don't want to leave your truth, and and we don't want to leave your love. And so, God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit today on all of us. God, I pray for everybody here that we just might have a very restful week, that you would restore our souls, that you'd get us ready to run for the rest of the summer and the fall. But, God, that you would give your people rest and that you would fill them with love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.